Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. I went to camp on Saturday night, so we're feeling good with all this kind of acoustic-type music. What a run of shows at the Kettle House, though. If if Rainbow Kitten Surprise would have come, that would have been a pretty good week there with Rainbow Kitten Surprise, two nights of camp, and then Dispatch OAR and G-Love on Sunday. Uh, pretty good. And then we got... Watch House, formerly Mandolin Orange, coming on Wednesday. The Wood Brothers, who you're just listening to there, they're coming on later in the summer, too. So, uh, pretty cool. Have you, have you been in a show? Justin Angle in studio. Have you been in any shows yet this year? Well, I was supposed to go to the Avid Brothers. Oh, and they uh, got canceled. Got canceled. That concert's been canceled like three years in a row. I know. And um, we're going to Decemberist next week. Oh, cool. Very yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. You know, Helena Ties. I mean, Connor Malloy, uh, Montana guy. So, that'll be, that'll be cool. That'll be fun. I, I know that... Uh, it's so funny, too, because I go to a lot of shows, and so I, I hear from a lot of my buddies when they're going to go to one of their shows for the summer. You go to the concert tonight? Oh, sure, let's meet up. We yep. don't go have dinner. Well, my good buddies text me, going to Avid Brothers, and I had gotten the release here at the radio, obviously, so we were kind of one of the first to know. Yeah. And I was like, it got canceled. He's like, uh, no, what? He's like talking to me on the phone. He's like, you got to be kidding me. So that's yeah, a bummer. We were taking the whole family, too. The daughters are super excited, and they're kind of bummed. They've missed it a few years in a row now. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, they, they keep on bringing it back. Our, our uh, mutual friend, former co-host of this show, Ryan Tutel, who actually was the one that facilitated uh, this friendship we have here, it's a business angle with Justin Angle. We'll do this every other Tuesday, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Justin in studio with us here now. We're a treat. Uh, the uh, Northwest Motorsports <laughs> Studio, as it is. Usually we're down there at Studio 149 on the uh, University of Montana uh, campus. But Ryan is the biggest Rage Against the Machine fan I've ever met. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, right? I mean, he's kind of a mosh pit type guy. He kind of lives his life raging against the machine, yeah, hence exactly. why he like retired when he's 40 years old, <laughs> somehow, some way. But he bought tickets to Rage Against the Machine in Boise, and he was going to go the the Sunday after the Big Sky Tournament. So was, we were going to go there for work, work all week, and then he's going to go to Rage Against the Machine. Sure. This was their like reunion tour. They had They haven't toured in 10 years. And then it got canceled, and it's just kept getting pushed back. So every time I talk to him, I say, you get, you get to the Rage show yet? Nope. But I did see something on Twitter. The, that tour is actually officially 
back going. So maybe nice. let's pent up now. Yeah, pent right. up rage. Oh, Gus is the last guy you want to go to that show with. Not it would be so fun, but he is going to mosh you. He's yeah. gonna he's yeah. gonna tackle you. Keep your distance. That's exactly right. Uh, a ton of stuff to get to today with you. Business angles, the overlay between business and sports. Uh, here on Nuanas now. Did this every other Tuesday. Uh, we actually just closed out hour number one, which, by the way, you missed anything in hour number one. You can always find it. Nuanas Now podcast presented by the M Store, Sportsbet Montana, the Advocates, and the MSU Bookstore. We were talking about who is the most uh, household or recognizable name in golf. Because hmm. golf has sort of become part of this discussion because of all this stuff with the Live yeah. Tour. But there's all of these s- sort of stars, stars, but not like... You know, everybody knew who knows who Tiger Woods is. Everybody. Yeah. You know, the lady at the grocery store knows who Tiger Woods is. I don't know if just the average checker at Albertsons knows who, you know, Jordan Spieth is. Maybe they do, but who do you think is the most brand name guy in golf? I mean, or is Tiger Woods on the board? Or well, that's exactly right. That's what Andrew said, too. He yeah. said it's still Tiger Woods. That, it's got to be Tiger. Phil Mickelson, maybe. Yeah, Phil's, Phil's up there, sir. Rory McIlroy, you know, kind of yep. got back in yep. the spot like a little bit near miss at, uh, what was that, the British Open? Yep. A few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So those are... Kind of the, the top three. And Jack Nicholas is he still around? <laughs> right. I mean, the, the, the Golden Bear is uh, still doing celebrity appearances, playing from time to time. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting how there, there's been – so I guess that's the last question I have on golf. Is it a good or bad thing that there's so many guys that are fighting for the throne – and none that has really attained the throne since Tiger Woods' dominance ended. I mean, it depends on how you conceptualize good or bad. I mean, right. Tiger Woods is a sort of force that can raise the awareness and the money-making ability of an entire league, right? You could say the same about a Michael Jordan in basketball. For sure. Oh, and the Tiger Woods phenomenon was like nothing we've ever seen in sports. I mean, it literally made tens of millions of people that never watched golf yeah. and probably will never watch golf again. I'll raise watch, my hand. Like, I pay right? attention. I know. Andrew's not really a big golf guy either. And I bet you if Tiger was in the final group in a major, he'd watch it for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good thing for golf in general. It brings more people into the game. It, yeah. it raises the awareness of it. it. It doesn't exactly lead to more competitive parity when right. you're a single person dominating. Uh, both on the uh, you know on the course and also in terms of the the salience of the brand, um, you know more competition in an individual sport could lead to you know, higher levels of play across the board. But you know we see this in tennis as well. Without dominant personalities, people aren't as interested in buying in. Speaking of brand, I've been stuck on the notion of brand when it comes to football teams because we've seen now. The beginning, at least, of the um, restratification. I'm not going to say erosion because that seems like there's a negative connotation sure. there. But uh, the the reorganization of, of college football. And I was at a wedding with a bunch of people that were big sports fans. And so they were all asking me what I thought. And one thing that I sort of settled on was I think that we're going to get to a point where we have sort of a, a two or three league model. And the reason I think three instead of two is because there's three major networks. Yeah. And I think there's going to be, you know, an ABC league, a CBS mm-hmm. league, and an NBC league. I think that's what's going to it's going to finally settle on. Or maybe it's not broadcast. Maybe it's sure. uh, ESPN, sure. Fox, and some other player, Amazon. Sure, right, know. right, right. Whoever decides to broadcast, I think that the major national broadcaster, uh, or the public broadcasting platforms, whatever they might be, is going to de- determine kind of that number. But then there's going to be dominoes that fall. And I do think that for as much as being made out of this as a, uh, a negative thing as a whole for the, the sanctity of amateur athletics, mm-hmm. 
that's already down the river for me. <laughs> I think that we've kind of already flushed that. So I've been trying to think of the scenarios out west, and I actually think because there is only a few football-playing universities out west comparatively to the rest of the country, that there's a chance for a, a pretty strong alliance. But then it got me thinking about some of the details behind sure. all of this. So first and foremost, uh, how important do you think brand is when it comes to finding a way to to earn sort of that, that national recognition or and or be an appealing addition for like a TV network? Because I mean, let's yeah. be honest, people are not trying to add the Missoula and Bozeman media markets. These mm-hmm. are markets 150 and above in, in the United States. But... University of Montana and Montana State do have good brands on a national level. So how I guess what's sort of the weighing of the two, right? Yeah, I think it's less about the media market and more about the brand of right. the team. Sure. You know, nobody really cares about getting the Tuscaloosa, Alabama um, media market. Right. Totally. But, like, people, I mean, Norman, Oklahoma is not like a crazy big place. Lincoln, Nebraska is like Missoula. I mean, it's very similar size, right? It, exactly. And so what you're seeing with this consolidation is... The, the the brands of the indiv- individual institutions or universities have kind of transcended the the leagues and mm-hmm. then you, you you kind of framing it in terms of leagues that are denominated by cable network or right. streaming network or whatever that consumption network you, I guess is the best way to term that you know that th- those consumption networks will choose the brands that drive audience share mm-hmm. so if you can get an Alabama, you know, then you can market that worldwide because everybody around, you know, sure. certainly around the United States and probably internationally, if you're interested in football, sure. you've heard of the Alabama brand. Right. And so it transcends geography in a way. It becomes this media entity that, that kind of knows no bounds. Well, then you start thinking, Justin Engel in studio, business angle here on Nuanas. Now, then you start thinking about some of the most prominent brands in the, the rural American West. Yeah. Gonzaga and Boise State are the two that jump right to the front. Gonzaga obviously does not have football. I actually think that isn't a huge advantage for them in this right now ever-shifting landscape because they can make a decision that maybe doesn't have to do with who's going to fall where. You know, if if the Pac-12 continues to dissolve and then they go after Gonzaga, maybe it's a good opportunity for Gonzaga. Or maybe not. Maybe Gonzaga goes to Mountain West. Maybe they don't. Maybe they stay pat. Maybe they figure out a way to stay independent. I think they got a lot of leeway. Boise State's the other one that people are talking about, though, because they have been able to sort of elevate their brand. It's so funny to think about because we live in these small towns that seem like cities compared to the really small towns that are all the way around here. But Boise is one of the biggest towns in the Pacific Northwest, yet is still only about half a million people. It is not even in the top 40 cities in in America. So uh, their prominence is maybe understated compared to if that same phenomenon happened somewhere else. Regardless, though, how much do you think that's a draw? Uh, Is Boise State big enough to be coveted? Because they seem big to us in Montana as a former Big Sky member that that did sort of rise up and be the David that slayed Goliath when they won the Fiesta Bowl in 2006. But how much resonation does that have just from a branding, marketing, TV draw? Because that's really what this is all about. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on how, how you frame this and and at what level 
you're you're talking. So if we're talking about these, however this shakes out in terms of the major conferences or the set of, you know, you said three leagues. So say at the very top, the sure. Alabamas sure. and those sort of top, top tier programs, right. if those are owned by, you know, the likes of ESPN, Fox and Amazon per se, those companies are so, well, ESPN rolls up into Disney, right? right? Those companies are so large and in order for them to grow, they really have to bite off big nuts, right? right? Like Amazon, you see them moving into healthcare. Well, where else are they going to go right now? Healthcare or higher education are sort of the two, two largest markets that, you know, if you're, if you're over a trillion dollars in market capitalization, in order to move your share price, you have to go after something really big. Right. So those sorts Gosh. of entities, if they own distribution, they're never going to be interested in Boise because it just is, is a drop in the bucket. Sure. On the same side, as that sort of consolidation continues and cuts off options for growth, right? Because those those entities are going to have to think international at yeah. some point yeah. to continue to grow. It opens up secondary market opportunities, right? And I think that's where we can bring it back to Montana, Montana State and Boise State. Like right. there's, there's going to be sort of fish that have been relatively big and fish that have been right. relatively small that will sort of come together and, and find out where market opportunity is there. When it comes to football teams from the Pac-12 the Mountain West and the Big Sky Conference, I think that the only teams that really have a true chance to be to get into and even be competitive in this giant conglomeration that's going to be are Oregon and Washington, certainly. Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State, yeah. likely. But then there's the other teams that are sort of left out. So I'm trying to think of how they can all align together. And that's like Washington State... Oregon State, Cal, and Stanford. Those are going to be like the four Pac-12 teams that are kind of left out. Mm -hmm. But then that's where this kind of gets muddied in terms of the differences between market and brand, but also academic prestige or lack thereof. A lot of the older people listening to this show that have followed the Big Sky Conference for a long time, you all share the same joke. You still call it Boise State Junior College because it was a junior college <laughs> right. all the way until they joined this new subdivision in 1978 that was Division One AA. Then they were only in it for 15 years. They won a national championship. They played for two more. Boom, they explode. They become sort of this mid-major power. But the academic prestige of Boise State is not even in the same universe as Stanford. No, a lot of places aren't. Yeah. But that's what I'm really wondering is then the, you get into some of the politics like Cal, for example. Cal is a UC school, UC Berkeley. They have always said that they would never be in a conference athletically in which they weren't with high research institutions. Mm -hmm. Peer institutions. Peer institutions. And they've also always said they would never be in a league with the Cal State system, which has, you know, a dozens of colleges now, one of which is San Diego State, which is a very good school. But for those that are out there thinking, okay, well, then why wouldn't Boise State and San Diego State and Nevada and Wyoming just team up with Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State? That's where it gets sort of muddy. So do you feel like, though, these schools that do sort of dig their heels in in terms of wanting to maintain their allegiance with peer institutions, is that a losing proposition moving forward? It seems like a losing proposition for Cal. For sure. Where else are they going to go? They And I think, too, it, it also... Outside of a branding perspective, it kind of ties to what's the business model of the of the athletic department there and the university as a whole. So Cal probably, as part of the Pac-12, has 
has a significant portion of the revenue coming from TV. Right. Right. Whereas like the University of Montana, Montana State, Big Sky Conference teams, not so much TV. For sure. Uh, the teams in the Big Sky that can drive revenue through their gate and their other, you know, not TV sources, they're going to have relative power. I think Cal's going to have to look for, you know, there is maybe a small needle to thread with like the likes of Cal and Stanford and maybe like the, uh, I don't know what's up with Notre Dame. Are they continuing to pretend to be independent? Sure. I mean, they were like a first mover in this whole resolving themselves. They they have such a unique standing because they're in a league for non-football, but they're not in a league for football. They have these like lifetime, I don't know, they have these contracts with Purdue and USC where they're going to play them forever. It's non-conference games, but they have this independent TV deal. Like, I mean, what a coup that looks like it is now. I mean, and that might reemerge as a for strategy sure. because, you know, for, for a school like Cal or Stanford to continue to have a range of excellent um, non-revenue generating athletic programs, mm-hmm. the gymnastics, the rowing, the right. fencing, whatever, right. whatever these right. sports are, and, and you know, some more popular sports too, but they don't generate any significant revenue, certainly no, no TV revenue. Right. You could see if schools like Stanford and Cal you know, the brand value of having a football team and right. having that big game between Stanford and Cal will certainly persist in the near term. Um, they're going to have to find ways to sustain that and splitting off from, you know, splitting the football team off from the conference structure and allowing the rest of the athletic yeah. department to exist independently could be a pathway to that. A business angle, Justin Angle, University of Montana business professor in studio with us talking all things college football realignment. Of all of these Power Five teams, particularly the ones out west, it seems as if, ironically, Cal is the one that has been doing this for all of the reasons that we talk about in terms of enhancing the culture yeah. of a campus mm-hmm. and you know having diversity among your student body and having extracurricular activities for your already um, excellent student body and, and things like that. They're not doing it to make a ton of money. Well, guess what? When you don't make it, do it to make a ton of money, then you're operating a hundred million dollar deficit like Cal has. I mean, they put an extra fifteen to twenty million dollars in the debt purse for ten years running. Right. So then it's almost as if you just wonder, what if they just gave up the ghost? Like, what if they just went independent? And then you can still play Stanford. You can then you could pick and choose the peer institutions yep. you want to play. And, and I don't know, I guess, do you lose anything if you did that? I guess, what would Cal stand to lose if they stop sort of chasing uh, these these people that have, I mean, because the, the notion of being in peer I mean, this is, I don't want to take shots at certain universities, but like Oregon and Cal are not the same thing. No. <laughs> this is not a level playing field when no. it comes to football. But Oregon is at a, yeah, so like academically, Cal has kind of operated in this space that that's, you know, a level above, like they're sort of at their aspirant right. is the Stanford and the Ivy league sorts of schools. They want to aspire to be kind of in that conversation for Whereas sure. Oregon, uh, you know, fine school, but it's not at that level academically yet. Oregon has w- way more prominence in football. Cal right. hasn't gotten a sniff at a bowl game in my a memory. little while. Right. Yeah. Stanford is a different case. They've been a better team at times. For sure. Um, but yeah, I don't see much upside in terms of trying to chase these larger teams that are going to these higher order, whatever these new conference alignments are going to be called, I, I, one Cal can't compete, right? And you know, so chasing that 
it's just infeasible. I don't think they have, even if they wanted to, they probably couldn't compete. They couldn't aspire to those leagues because they can't get the athletes. I mean, there's the academic per- part of this for sure. That that's uh, you know, I don't want to say a drawback because I appreciate that they put a high priority on that. But then there's also the thing that a lot of people don't consider, and that's the the other element of lifestyle. I was yeah. talking to Bo Baldwin at the Big Sky Kickoff. Bo is now the head coach at Cal Poly, but he spent three years as the offensive coordinator at Cal. Okay. And I said, what was the most challenging part about that job? And he said, I said, was it hard to get guys in? And he said, that's the second most challenging part of the job. Mm. The first most challenging part of the job is finding them a place to live and figuring out how to yeah. pay for it. Yeah. Right? Because if you're going to live in and around the Bay Area, like – that's made for for Silicon Valley salaries, not you know. I mean, we see that in Bozeman and Missoula, for, right? for sure. Like coaches for sure. bringing in coaches, bringing in the ancillary staff, and then athletes that you know don't want to live in campus housing. They, they've got it's a tight, tight market. We've seen rents through the roof, real estates through the roof. It's tightening up a little bit as far as interest rates and prices maybe softening, but yeah, that's a real problem. I also wonder how much. Uh, Regionality will now either be emphasized in the West or go by the wayside. And I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Like I think that Cal and Oregon, or excuse me, Washington and Oregon make enough money that they don't care about regionality anymore. Whereas I do think some of the other last left standing out West might have a high priority on regionality. So what do you think of sort of the balancing act that is the balance sheet in terms of, I mean, I guess is, is it, is it an effective enough way to mitigate costs to be in conferences with regional uh, rivals? Yeah, I, th- I think you're going to have what emerges is or sort of the, the national and international brands and then the regional brands. Right, right. And so like the Washington or Oregon brands, they can own the Pacific Northwest and maybe right. slightly down the West Coast or trop, uh, uh, across the northern front, uh, frontier there. But, you know, they don't have national appeal. They might be able to pick off a national level, and I don't mean pick off a win, but get a game with a national level mm-hmm. rival, but they're probably going to have to pay for that game, but that gets them that exposure. I, I think that's how it plays out. You're going to have this top tier of teams that transcend geography and then these other regional players that kind of dominate their local markets just due to, you know, awareness, availability, and a rabid uh, alumni network. Basically, if you can buy a jet, you can go wherever you want. (laughs) If you can charter a jet, you can go somewhere in the region. And if you got to fly on the, you know, Tuesday Delta flight, you're probably just going to have to Stay in the little place where you can take a bus. A and bit. if you have to drive, like the schleps, you know. <laughs> right. Well, that's what that's one of the most funny, or one of the most interesting financial challenges of the Big Sky Conference is you're talking about teams yeah. that don't produce hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. In fact, most of these teams don't even produce a million dollars mm-hmm. in revenue. Yet, there's only a few bus trips in the league. Yeah, it's hard travel in hard conditions and I'm, few I'm, options. I mean, I think one of the craziest stories in college football in the last 20 years, that's not hyperbole, is Portland State's 2015 season. That year, the university told the football team, you need to become financially sustainable within a certain amount of time, oh, else geez. you're not going to be able to, to last. They doubled down and decided they were going to take one plane trip. They flew to North Texas. That was it. They played at Cal Poly that year. They played in Missoula that year. Wow. That is a lot. And they went 9-2. and two. That was the best season. That was arguably the best season in Portland State history. And they had this whole, I mean, Bruce Barnum, the head coach, called it our Americana tour. You know, they'd leave on a Wednesday. Yeah, what's they, happening on that bus? Right. I mean, he would, <laughs> but he was so good about it. He took them to 
uh, the JFK Museum in Dallas. He took him mm-hmm. to Alcatraz. Like he was making it like a field trip. You yeah. Know? And then what's the cost academically? I mean, right. I think as as a faculty member who has to kind of um, kind of help student athletes get through times where they're missing a lot of school. I mean, I remember a time where some of the the Grizz basketball players kind of missed what felt like from you know, mid-November through the end of semester, just because right. they lined out a lot of free season trips. I sure. think they had, I think they sure. were played in the, the Hawaii tournament one year, and it right. just became really hard to manage. Now, fortunately, the students were diligent and paid attention, but that's not always the case. Well, and that's why the, the sort of facade of the amateurism yeah. of this is yeah. so, right, like from a business and budget standpoint, it's smart to go mm-hmm. play multiple non-conference money games in one trip. But from a professor and academic standpoint, this is not smart. Missing two and a half weeks straight of class is not going to be good for any student, right? Well, if not good for a student, right? right? But maybe in the best interest of the individual, if they can play at the next level, not often the case at, at the Montana schools sure. and the Big Sky schools. Right. It happens, but it's not as, as reasonable an expectation. You know, I, I think, and we've talked about this before, like as those Alabamas of the world, like, approach a level of professionalism and sort of transcend and maybe exempt themselves from the NCAA, the erosion of these market or these sort of institutional constraints, I see a world where maybe they they sort of divorce themselves from the universities and become their own profit banking um, entities. And that's why I settle on then, once this uh, restratification all occurs, I do think that the teams that are out West that are left that aren't a part of this giant conglomerate have a real chance to sort of lead the way to create a new affiliation. And then imagine if that new affiliation existed and you were Cal, then you could put a high priority on everything you want to be a priority and also likely be very good in football again. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of a more of a meta point, but, um, there is a view of the world that suggests that institutions cannot be rebuilt. Mm. You know, they cannot. It's 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 impossible in our for, in sort of our current state of stagnation wow. to rebuild institutions. Wow! And the premise there is that rather than rebuilding institutions or reforming institutions, you make new ones. Mm. Right. And, and so maybe we're approaching a point with collegiate athletics where that sure. is possible. So we're seeing it kind of um, with the media distribution for sure uh, forces at play. I mean, that's a bit of a radical statement. For sure. We'll see. Well, Montana has an opportunity to to uh, rebuild what it once was. And we'll see if they can fulfill the expectation of uh, the top teams of the big sky. A couple more minutes. Justin Angle, a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Quickly, uh, you wanted to talk about Kyler Murray's contract because he got quite the deal. First of all, second richest contract in NFL history mm-hmm. with, the, uh, I think, the second most guaranteed money ever. He's going to make more money this upcoming season than anybody in the NFL besides Aaron Rodgers. That's pretty crazy because Kyler Murray's pretty good, but he's not better than a lot of guys that are going to be up for contracts soon. Yeah, he's not Aaron Rodgers. So that is uh, certainly something that's going to be a market setter, so to speak. But also there's some interesting uh, language in this contract as well. Yeah, I was kind of looking through some of the details, and it's not uncommon to have like a player behavior kind of clauses. In fact, they're, they're pretty standard. But this kind of goes to... A different level than I had heard of previously. He is required, and this is in the the, the language of the contract, to do an independent four hours of study, film study, in in every week. And you know that that might seem reasonable that they want this kind of study, sure, right? right. Um, even though he's a professional. 
At the same time, they, as part of the enforcement mechanism, the contract states that they have access to his data through his iPad wow. that he's been used you know, that he will use to study. So you, know, you might say, "Wow, that's a drastic violation of privacy, and that's an overreach by a corporate interest." And you could also make a bunch of arguments about privilege and monitoring and all that kind of stuff. Like it's it's insulting in some ways to a professional individual. But at the same time. Paying this guy guaranteed $160 million. For sure. So it's kind of an awkward look for both sides of the equation, the, the, both Murray and the, because you know, people who don't know Murray are asking, well, why do, why do they need to make this? For sure. Your, why do they need to formalize for sure. like doing your job? For sure. Well, you're putting a lot of money on the line in a high risk environment. Um, maybe you got to protect that asset, well, that investment. And don't you think that either... Kyler Murray is like, well, that'll just be easy. This will be easy. You know, no, no issue. We got it. Yeah. Or this is an issue, and this will hold me accountable. I, it seems as if he wouldn't have signed this contract or let that be allowed to be put in there unless he was at least sort of willing to either admit that this was an issue and or completely buck the notion that it is an issue. Who knows how it played out, right? The right. agent gets paid based on the size of the contract, mm-hmm. right? And the player probably cares a lot about the size of the contract. Yeah. So if they're like, of course I'm going to study and I, we can get another few million bucks if you include this in the clause, you know, they're going to probably put it in the in, in the contract. It, it, the, the incentives go in a bunch of different directions. It could be a, a, It could be a red flag. For this guy, Murray, but it could also be like, yeah, sure, I'm going to do that work anyway. I might as well get paid for it. I'm so interested to know if this stuff is just completely exponential. Mm. Like if Kyler Murray is getting, Kyler Murray just reset the market. And now yeah. everybody that's better than Kyler Murray that's coming up for contracts, you know, Justin Herbert, guys like that, they're going to get even more. Is it ever going to stop, though? In terms of the dollar amounts, yes. probably not. Well, in terms, of the, the revenue side of the equation has to has to keep pace, right? The NFL has to continue to dominate at the level it's dominating and bring in that kind of uh, fan interest and dollars and so forth. So there has to be that side of the ledger has to be healthy. What's also interesting is that is this an escalation in terms of the sorts of things we see in a player contract? What right. sorts of life choices, life behaviors? Mm. Other parts of the, you know, the human experience will be codified in these contracts, and I think we're going to see more and more as these dollar amounts go up and up. It's so funny because it's not funny. It's it's so interesting, I should say, because it it reemphasizes the notion of players as commodities rather than people. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been this new phenomenon when it comes to draft evaluation where scouts and and front office people are like. That guy has too many interests outside of football or basketball. And that seems on the surface so ridiculous. But then from a pure business standpoint, it doesn't seem ridiculous. If you're going to invest 50 to $100 million in this rookie guy, okay. It, it, it just makes me uncomfortable, right? Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon just went through this. He fell yeah. from potentially the number one pick to the number five pick. It's it's not that far of a fall, but it did cost him you know, a couple million dollars in his guaranteed contract. And the biggest knock was... The guy has a foundation. He's got a his own small business. You know, he's interested he's in music and yep. production and entrepreneurship, and he doesn't just do football. There, it seems a little bit. Uh, I don't know what the word is, but I I don't particularly like it. But I also, from a pure business perspective, understand it. Yeah, I mean, it gets to a whole bunch of ethical and structural questions about right. how capitalism operates. Yeah, I mean, take it out of the, the 
the the realm of professional athletes and huge sums of money and you just mm-hmm. take it down to like you know working joes like us right like, will our employers what level of access to our um, online footprint should our employers have and not have and should that be tied to how well you're paid and how talented you are chances are um, how talented you are will have some effect on your negotiating power there. Is that right? You know, we're certainly probably not capable of crafting thoughtful legislation about this at any time soon. So we'll see how it plays out. Last point on this from Andrew. Great uh, follow-up, Andrew. He says, uh, from what I understand, these iPads are all team-issued with playbooks loaded on them, and teams have access to every player's data use while they use them. It's just not explicitly usually written into the contract. Right. So that's the one difference. Mm-hmm. And I do understand it because if you kind of give it a parallel between like us, you know, you as a state employee, University of sure. Montana employee, if your employer said, here's your work iPad, here's the amount of time we want you to use said iPad, and we are going to see if you use it for other things, I think that's fair. Yeah, you sign up for it, right? It's like it's like the uh, yeah. the, the 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 whatever the the usage clause on Facebook that everybody checks. Yes, do you read what they actually say they can do with your data? Not many people do, Not but really they own your data and they're going to do with it uh, whatever they want. For whoever watches South Park out there, we are rapidly going towards the human centipede. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Well put. <laughs> New Honest Now, ESPN Radio. This has been a business angle with Justin Angle. If you missed anything from this or the rest of the show, find it on the New Honest Now podcast. When it comes to this college football realignment, what does the Big Sky Conference think? We talked to the commissioner. We'll paraphrase. We'll get some stuff from him, and we'll give you some of our thoughts as well. More college football alignment. Thanks for being here, man. This was fun. Yeah, thanks. Keep it right here. New Honest Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. We were across state lines. We were over in Washington, Spokane to be exact, last couple days. So I actually haven't gotten any reports of how the Dispatch OARG Love concert on Sunday at the Kettle House Amphitheater went. So got a report. 406-888-1029. Text us. Let us know. I'm sure it was a great show. Those those guys are uh, epic jam band touring uh, aficionados, so I'm sure it was great. New is Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. Thanks for... Hanging out with us here on your Tuesday. More on college football realignment when it comes to the Big Sky Conference. Tom Wistershill, the Big Sky Conference commissioner, 
very uh, happy with and optimistic about the current state of and the future of Big Sky Conference sports, particularly in football. I know that that's what you'd expect the commissioner to say, but I think he did make some some good points. Uh, he had an address on Monday morning, and then he also had a Q&A with reporters. Yours truly somehow figured out how to lose that sound. I'm going to search my computer more after the show to get it and or find somebody else who recorded it. But either way, sort of the paraphrasing, some of the best points he made, I thought, were when it comes to the football league, that there's a lot of good coaches in the Big Sky Conference right now, and a lot of them have been to the the top level of FBS football, and a lot of them are seeing what's going on in FBS football, and that seems like a headache to them. That's not what they got into coaching for. They got into coaching to develop young men and you know give them challenges to help mold them into good citizens of, of the country and the world, not to bid on five-star quarterbacks for millions of dollars with booster money. That, that's not what a lot of these guys, you know, I think particularly good, good examples are the coaches in Montana, especially one Bobby Houck. He did not uh, get into this biz to uh, be a, a free agent scout, uh, you know, scouting free agent talent. He, I think he wants to mold and meld young men. So I thought that was one of the good points. I also thought, Tom Wisher showed me another good point when he said, the more that this continues to stratify, the less teams at the top level have an opportunity to win a national championship. Whereas in the Big Sky Conference, every team has an opportunity to win a national championship. Now, you would say, okay, well, not every team in the Big Sky has an opportunity to win a national championship. That's true. Obviously, you know, the 12th place team from the Big Sky is not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make a playoff run. But... With the way that the system is currently set up, as well as the way that the there, there's not this just gargantuan disparity in budget. Like, for example, Washington State has operated at a deficit for several years now athletically, whereas Texas is making $150 million in revenue. That is so far apart from each other. So even if Montana and Montana State have the most revenue coming in, and the highest football budgets and the highest athletic department budgets, that still is not $100 million more than other people that are competing for the same national championship. It might be marginally more, but it's not grossly more. The other point is, since the Big Sky expanded to, to uh, its, its membership in 2012, every team from the Big Sky has made the playoffs at least once, except Idaho State and Northern Colorado. Everybody else has test, has tasted the playoffs at least once. So there is sort of some parity uh, here in, in the league. Montana, Montana State, they do have the greatest ability to produce revenue and the highest football budgets. They haven't won the league in 10 years plus. Who, who has won the league in that time span? Cal Poly shared a league title. UC Davis shared a league title. Sac State's working on back back to they've won back to back league titles, working on a third straight. Eastern Washington has won half a dozen league titles. Portland State has shared a league title. I guess Idaho has been only been back in the league for four years, but they're also in that group. Idaho State, Idaho, Idaho State, Northern Colorado are the three teams that haven't uh, 
won it since the league expanded. Southern Utah won a couple of Big Sky championships before leaving the league. Uh, Northern Arizona shared the league title one year during the last 10. North Dakota won a league championship before they left the league. So it, it, it is uh, a least... And I don't actually think that parity is good. Parity's fun for fans. Parity's actually not good from a financial and reputation standpoint for leagues. Honestly, I mean, there's there's a reason Gonzaga's Gonzaga, and there's a reason that a Big Sky team hasn't won an NCAA tournament game in, since 2006. The reason's the same. Parity has hurt the Big Sky. Non-parity has propped Gonzaga up to be one of the powers of the West Coast Conference and one of the powers uh, in the world. But I, I do, or in the in the world of college basketball, that is. But I do think that um, the Big Sky Conference is in an interesting spot because if the league was to stay exactly as it is, I think it's a good league. There are still some some charter members left in the league and some traditional teams and some regional rivalries. If, if Montana and Montana State stayed in the same conference as Eastern Washington and Idaho and Idaho State and Weber State, that's that's good. That's fun. That's that's familiarity. That's, that's good regional opponents. That's good regional rivalries. There's a lot of rivalries amongst that group. I was talking to the players from Idaho at the Big Sky kickoff about the, exactly that. You know, what's it like being back in the Big Sky and having multiple conference opponents that your, your fan base really – cares about. Idaho wants to beat Idaho State and vice versa. Idaho and Montana have a trophy together. Idaho and Montana State definitely have uh, some some rivalry elements to it. Idaho and Eastern Washington just up the road from each other. So that's a rivalry. So the rivalries are good. I also think though if the Big Sky as it is doesn't exist or does fracture or does have some sort of massive makeover for better or worse I do think that the, the the state schools, the charter members, the the teams that have been in the Big Sky for a long time that have the best foundation and the best football tradition, I do think those schools, I, I think that there's, there's very little here in which it's a doomsday scenario, especially for the Montana schools. I think that no matter which way it plays out, There'll be pros and cons for sure, but I think that you're going to have a lot more pros than cons if the leadership that's in control at those universities and in those athletic departments plays their cards right. I do think there's a positive outcome here, no matter if that is a revamping of football in the West, uh, a realignment of the big three conferences out West, the Pac-12, the Mountain West, and the Big Sky, if that means uh, teaming up with some of the other state schools in this rural part of the country, or if this, it's just the Pac-12 and the Mountain West figure out what they're going to do and they stay in the FBS and then this stays FCS, I, I think that there's more positive outcomes than negative outcomes. I think that the things that people should worry about is not either or scenario. I think it's the leadership that's leading the schools in either or scenario. I think that's the most important part. What's going on the rest of the week? <laughs> We've hardly even decided. This has been a whirlwind week already, but I do have a couple things that I know is coming up here uh, in the next couple days. So we'll let you know and uh, get you set up for the rest of your week. Keep it right here. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. 
93.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Sorry, I had to sing a little bit more. Love it. Love me some Dave Matthews Band. If you don't already know, I like pretty much all the music. People always ask me, what kind of music do you like? I say, the music that's good. <laughs> it seems like such a dumb answer, but, uh, you know, quality. I appreciate talent of all sorts. Nuance is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. Thanks for kicking it with us. As always, we're broadcasting to you the Northwest Motorsport Studio, Northwest Motorsport, new to Missoula, new to Montana. You can find them on the corner of Stevenson Mount here in the Garden City, and you can also check them out online, nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. You missed anything in this show today, you can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. We talked about the... Best and worst case scenarios for Montana, Montana State. We're going to readdress that tomorrow. That's going to be the exact same question to lead the show, and we're going to keep on speculating. That's what we like to do. We're actually not speculating. We're just giving you scenarios, you know, the hypotheticals. It's the art of conversation. I don't know. We're just talk radio. That's what we want to do. Uh, we also talked uh, about the Big Sky Conference Hall of Fame as part of our Treasure State Stars. Talked some golf and brand name recognition. Also had a business angle. Uh, with Justin Angle, the overlay between business and sports. And uh, we also talked how college football realignment is affecting the Big Sky Conference. You can find all of that on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Sportsbet Montana, The Advocates, the Montana State Bookstore, and the M Store. Later on this week, including tomorrow, tomorrow we'll have our uh, featured ESPN roundtable. And I caught up with the head coaches for both Montana and Montana State. So we'll hear from Bobby Houck and Brent Vegan. Got about 10 minutes from each of those guys. So that'll be hour number two. We'll keep on talking best and worst case scenarios for the Cats and the Grizz. And we'll also have some more Big Sky kickoff reactions. We will also talk uh, some NFL as well. Had some fun NFL conversations on the golf course uh, over the weekend and uh, the last couple days as well. Also very much looking forward to the return of one of your favorite segments. Coach Marty's back, baby. The Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty Mornoweg, longtime NFL quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator. He will join us the second hour of each Monday show starting uh, during football season. We're actually going to solidify when we're starting this thing. Uh, could be sometime in mid-August. Could be that opening weekend in September. But either way, we are about a month away or less of having... The guy who brings the most heat, man. Marty always brings the energy, always brings the juice. We're very excited to have uh, Coach Mornoweg back uh, for a second year. Running it back on the uh, Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty. I told you about all my concerts. I got another one coming up. I actually don't know why they changed their name from Mandolin Orange to Watch House. I was a big fan of Mandolin Orange. And when my girlfriend asked me if I wanted to go to Watch House, I was like, well, I don't know. Do I? And she's like, well, it's, it's Mandolin Orange. They just changed their name. And I was like, oh, well, I want to go to Mandolin Orange. So if that means Watch House, uh, let's go. So that's tomorrow night. So that'll be a fun one. We'll have a recap for you on uh, that one. But uh, all sorts of great concerts coming down the pipe. And uh, we're excited to go to as many as we can. If you ever see us out there, say what's up. You know, 
Uh, give us a, a nod, a hello, a wave, whatever. I'll always talk sports with pretty much anybody, anytime, anywhere. So uh, don't be scared. You can always call us and text us here, but you can also always just say what's up in public. And uh, I'm always happy to talk to my fellow Montanans. Nuan is now back at it tomorrow at 4 p.m. More best and worst case scenarios for the Montana schools and other schools from around the big sky. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for hanging out on a Tuesday. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.